One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good right. luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. The last thing a golfer wants when they're closing in on a tournament victory is for all the bad shots they've hit at that tournament over the years to start creeping into their consciousness. That's exactly the headspace Shane Lowry found himself in yesterday. But to be honest, he could have fooled us as he kept his composure, played what he describes as one of the best shots he's ever hit on the 18th hole, and two-putted for the birdie that sealed victory, albeit only after Rory McIlroy put his mate through the ringer for a few minutes. Welcome to Monday Second Captain's Podcast. Hi, guys. Hey, on, how are you? Hey, on, how's it going? A fantastic win for Shane Lowry yesterday. His first since the British Open in 2019. Not one single bogey over the 54 holes of the shortened BMW Championship at Wentworth. And still he had to go through nervous wreck mode in the scoring tent, watching McElroy come up the 18th, give himself an eagle chance, miss the putt by inches. A putt that would have sent I mean, the two of them into a playoff. <laughs> Yeah, one inch, really. It just sort of stopped. It it was just one inch, yeah. (laughs) Watching Lowry, watching McElroy was quite enjoyable, I got to say. Either way, I'm thinking, this can't end badly. It's it's McElroy and Lowry, you know. If this goes to a playoff, that's going to be a lot of fun as well. But I'm sure I'm not the only one who is happy to see Lowry win this. He knows how to pick him, does Shane Lowry. When he does win, it tends to be pretty big. The British Open, World Golf Championship, now the flagship yeah. event of the European Tour. I think there's a lot of golfers out there with, say, 8, 9, 10, 12 tournament victories who might never have won any as prestigious as the ones that Lowry yeah. picked up. Something we can get into. I think those guys, would, those guys would probably swap careers with uh, with Lowry, to be honest, uh, given the, the status of, of a few of those wins. All right, his, his own home uh, open to start with and an and, and, and open as well. So, mm. I mean... <laughs> Uh, yeah, and he'd been close even a couple of times this year. So uh, to see him getting get, getting over the line, I mean, the emotion uh, in the scoring in the scorer's tent was probably understandable, uh, given how um, how the year had gone and how even yesterday afternoon had gone because he had played so bloody brilliantly, and to be forced into a playoff with a guy like Rory McIlroy that would have been <laughs> that would have been nervy, I think. Well, speaking of emotion, there was an interesting answer by Lowry to this question in his post-round interview on Sky. Winning is always an emotional experience. We can see that from your reaction. Were the circumstances this tournament was played in, did they heighten those emotions? I think so, yeah. I think so. Um, You know, I made no secrets as to how I feel about the whole thing at the start of the week. And um, I wanted to go out and win this tournament for myself, first and foremost. But I think for this tour and... 
you know, everyone that has stayed loyal to this tour and everyone that's done everything for this tour, I, I really feel like, uh, you know, this is, this is one for the good guys. It certainly was one for the good guys. Congratulations, Thanks. Shane. Well Cheers. played. Thank you. I didn't pick this up at the time, but just listening back to it, I'm not sure that Lowry actually answered the question that was asked. I, I think, I, I assume what yeah. the interviewer meant yeah. by it being emotional and the circumstances around the tournament was, you know, the Queen and everything. Yeah. But in fairness, Lowry did also answer a question directly about all that. So he just, he's like, listen, I'm taking this ball and I'm hopping it against the heads of the live golfers. Mm. A win for the good guys, which is a little bit, oh, it's a bit much, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. It's a little simplistic. Like Shane Lowry played, it's this thing of goodies and baddies. You know, Shane Lowry's played in Saudi Arabia himself in the past. So I don't know. There are, maybe you should be aware there are some grey areas here. Like, even though in how he interacts with the live golfers, I saw him say before the tournament, there are certain lads I'd shake hands with and certain lads I wouldn't. So Lowry himself is making allowances there for there being grey areas uh, within mm. how humans interact with each other. It just seems a little bit of a sim- simplistic analysis the way he framed. I know some people loved it. Some people loved this. Just, yeah, stick it to the live golfers. It's as simple as that. Mm. I think it's a bit more nuanced myself. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it came down, I think, to the commitment or otherwise shown to the European Tour over the last 15 or 20 years. So basically he's saying, uh, I mean, John Ram went into it in quite a bit of detail on Wednesday, I mean, he didn't necessarily, he didn't name the players that he was really upset upset with, but he did kind of say, okay, there's like Sergio, Westwood, Poulter, uh, those guys, fine. Patrick Reed came over, has played a couple of European Tour events in the past. He's also pretty much fine. But then uh, the interview I saw from Wednesday uh, with the Sky Report, he just like started shouting out names like Taylor Gooch, uh, uh, Abraham Anser. And Ram was like, I'm not going to name any players, but uh, basically, yes, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, these guys are only here for world ranking points because they can't get world ranking points in any other tournament. So, yes, they're basically exactly the guys that I have a problem with. Uh, so, yeah, it was like, so the Queen died in the middle of all this. But like even Tuesday and Wednesday of last week, Ram, Lowry, McElroy, all doing um, uh, kind of snooty uh, press conferences saying, these guys shouldn't be here. I, if I was in there, I think it was Larry that said, if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't show up uh, here. I wouldn't have the the gumption to show up here, basically. But that's what they've done. So you know, we have to we have to live with it. Uh, so it was a reasonably dramatic week before the Queen died in the middle of it and reduced it from a seventy-two hole uh, competition to a far more manageable for the veterans of the Live Golf Tour fifty-four <laughs> holes. Uh, uh, fifty four. Well, and yet they still couldn't pull it off, Murph. You're you're also stealing a Rory McIlroy gag there. Oh made... well, well, a gag that weirdly came back to uh, bite him on the arse a little bit, given that it was a fifty four hole tournament in the end. But yeah, we're gonna chat to Maliki Clerken about all that and about Rory, uh, about McIlroy himself actually, as well as just Larry McIlroy reveling in his role at the forefront of this battle that's going on in golf at the moment. How are you doing today, Kenny? Any, get any sleep over the weekend? Not very well. I didn't sleep well at all, actually. Well, I thought so. Surprised you. Why? Well, you had Garth Brooks bloody singing into your, practically uh, into your bedroom window for the last couple well, of days. You're a, Cro- you're a Croke Park resident. He's over around 10, 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't usually be going to bed before then anyway, Owen, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> Not even on a yeah. Sunday night before a, a, a hefty week's work, no? Puts on a hell of a show. And finishes Garth. nice and early as well. That's, uh, that's, that's the sign of any true rock star for you, Ken, isn't he? Puts on a hell of a yeah. show, finished by half nine. No, it sounded, it sounded like everyone was having a while of a time at Garth Brooks, so uh, I was, I I was say, pleased for them. 
I, I will say I was I spent a little bit of time in Houston Station on Saturday evening, and um, yeah, I mean, I it, it it was an unbelievable thing. It, it, I'll tell you one thing about it. Right, it was an inter a cross generational event, which always makes me feel good. There were large groups of people, mothers and daughters, mothers, daughters, and granddaughters. My, like- my, my, apart from my entire extended family seem to have gone to this one. And, you know, some of them are dubs as well. It's not just, it's not just the Culchies. I know Maliki yes. himself wrote, wrote about how, uh, how many people from Monaghan were, in particular, were attending 60, this one. 60,000 population. Uh, quite a few generations. of them had bought tickets, apparently. 18,000 out of 60,000. Yeah, in Monaghan had bought tickets. That's according to Aiken Promotions. But why, I is it, why, why, is, um, why is he so big in Monaghan? Why well, is he so big in Monaghan? I mean, was pretty, I mean, there's like a, there's a short answer to that. Then there's like a you know a college thesis on that. No, really, um, seriously. Well, what's the short answer? At least country and western music is really, really big in the north of Ireland. Ken, real okay. big. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, absolutely not uh, looking down. I I thought it was beautiful to see large family groups heading off, each one more excited than the last. And fair play on fair play and You're good sport. A deeply corny man, aren't you? Ah, uh, listen, it took the heartstrings, you know. I mean, yeah. what is it about Crow Park that just that just lets this happen? You know, yeah, uh, yeah. it is in many ways. In it's many like, ways, Ken, the country's big house, isn't it? It's like Ireland's HQ. living room, really, isn't it? Ireland's living room, where the generations come together <laughs> in love Jeez. and respect for each other. We should probably crack on with this show fairly live. If you've got Champions League during the week, you've got to be looking at the Liverpool Ajax game tomorrow night. It's the one to watch after what happened to Liverpool in Italy last week. We'll have football pods on Wednesday and Thursday for World Service members only. US Murph is also back tomorrow with the NFL season up and running. So plenty there for your five or a month plus VAT. Secondcaptains.com is the place to sign up. Uh, there's a winning mentality. See it in their eyes. They've got glazed eyes. Glazed eyes. Glazed eyes. What I said to him at the end, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it, I said, are you ready to win a World Cup? Because we're in it to win it. they got to trust me, I'm taking these guys into battle. Yeah. And I'm doing my own stapling. Look, we're not getting carried away, but we're now getting to that point now where we are inspiring. Does a, a struggling salesman start turning up on a bicycle? He turns up in a newer car, Reception. So what becomes of you, my love? Along the way, we're going to have fun. I try and laugh several times a day. <laughs> a sergeant major spends all his time training his men to be killers and, and make sure that they arrive for meetings on time and dressed in the right way. He doesn't polish his own boots. The bosses are panicking. They're going, oh, cut back. Non-negotiable. The way we play football is non-negotiable. Watching Shane Lowry and Rory McIlroy duke it out for one of golf's more prestigious championships was not a bad way to spend a Sunday afternoon. Maliki Clerken, how are you? Deadly. Am I greedy for wanting that McIlroy eagle putt to drop on 18th? I, I was just getting used to the McIlroy versus Lowry dynamic and I wanted to play off personally. I wanted to play off that Lowry was going to win because, you know, as he said himself, McIlroy's won enough. But I still wanted that damn playoff. I think absolutely everybody wanted that damn playoff except Shane Lowry. I think <laughs> I, I, I saw he said himself afterwards that he didn't fancy playing against McElroy in, in a playoff because he was, it, it, it was a funny round of golf actually because like Lowry, I don't think could have played any better. Like he was just 
note perfect all the way around. Even the time he went into the trees on 17, he was fine. He got out and uh, um, and extricated himself. Um, but I thought I felt McElroy didn't really play that well. No. Like he, he he seemed to be fighting himself all the way around. He seemed to be chuntering away to himself after every shot. And it's like even even for you know shots that finished sort of twenty five feet from the hole kind of thing. You go, it's not that bad, Rory. But he he just oh. seemed to be out of sorts with himself the whole way around. Uh, it was and a yet- lot, his terrible shots were a lot closer than that. I mean, if that was him playing at his worst, a lot of pro golfers would very much appreciate Rory McIlroy's absolute worst yeah, stuff. His yeah. body language was hilarious. Yeah, he, the, the absolute garbage he played to almost win uh, the biggest event <laughs> outside one of the majors of the European yeah. Tour. Yeah, um, so it was fantastic. Like it's like we we're very lucky in a way to be into golf at all and into Irish golf. Um, certainly at the minute, these two are. Like they're a really top top drawer. Like that's that's a like that leaderboard yesterday was a phenomenal leaderboard, um, and for Larry to finish on top of it, like I think we should say it. It's 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 about time. Um, mm. Like that was his first tournament win since he won the Open, which is three three years and three months ago, three years and two months ago. Like for a player as good as he is, um, you know he's not. <laughs> We sort of treat him as this great underdog a bit, but like, look at the tournaments he wins. He, he wins the British Open. He wins the Bridgestone. He, he's now won at Wentworth. Like, he came third in the Masters this year. He sort of threw away two tournaments on the PGA Tour um, earlier in the summer. Um, and they were the sort of, like, they were bad mistakes. Now, one of them, the Honda Classic, the a biblical rainstorm came down just yeah. as he was standing I mean, on the 18th tee. It wasn't great luck, but but at the same time, he was the best golfer that week and and should have won. Um, and he made a bit of a balls of the heritage, I think, the one in, in uh, South Carolina. Um, in uh, like sort of, I'll say May-ish. Anyway, it, it, was, it was like three or four weeks after uh, the Masters. And um, no, sorry, it was the week after the Masters. And he, you know, he was sort of leading at the turn, uh, but had a double bogey sort of chipped into the water at one stage. And you're kind of going, he should, he should be closing those tournaments out. And if he had... If he hadn't won yesterday after going, like if he if he had gone as he did through the whole week without a bogey and still not won, that wouldn't really be good enough, you know. So it's great that he won. It's great that he that he closed it out and showed, you know, he isn't an, an elite international performer and uh, winning winning these sort of tournaments is, is what he should be at. Yeah, I was going to mention the Honda uh, Classic to you actually because that... You know, you can really get into your head when, I mean, it was bad luck, but it's also like, it's the, you know, it's, it's a rain shower. It's yeah, not, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's not from like, the, yeah, yeah, you know, like that is kind of it. I, you know, I, I, I don't remember the weather being amazing the day he won the Irish Open. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, like, uh, like obviously there, you know, there, you can put caveats on that, that, you know, it was Seb Straka, wasn't it? That, that, uh, you know, had like. Uh, absolutely fine conditions going down the 18th and then by the time Lowry reached it it was a biblical downpour but you know watching that you were inclined to be thinking god Shane like you have to get over the line in one of these big tournaments like you know it's 
the, the cl- that clock from the British Open, from the moment he won the British Open, that clock has been running and you just, you kind of want to put a stop to that. So that that was kind of why yesterday was such a big deal, I think. Yeah, and look, there's 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 almost nothing in sport that's harder than winning a golf tournament. Like there's there's almost nothing where the margins are so minuscule. Like you look at McElroy's put on the last yesterday, like you talk about small margins. Like I... I changed my mind five times as that putt was coming down the hill as to whether it was going in or not. Mm-hmm. And I was wrong all the time. Like I thought it was going in and I thought, oh, this is no chance. And I kind of looked away from the TV and then it kept rolling and rolling and rolling. I thought, oh my God, he's just this absolutely perfectly. And then it turned away at the last and it sat on the side of the hole. So like that is, that's literally an inch, literally an inch of real estate. And that's the difference between him going down uh down a playoff and it's the difference between Shane Lowry uh f- turning or t- clearing out a, a three and a half year uh streak without a win and actually winning you know and and we we assign so much i don't know we ass- we assign so much weight to things that really come down to you know the width of the width of a golf ball, and it's uh, and it's like it's the reason you know I I wrote a column last week actually about McElroy about how I think he's the most underrated person in Irish sport because I th- I think he takes an awful lot of shit for only winning two tournaments a year you know um, and winning two tournaments is incredibly difficult you know um, and the same with Larry you know you you got to. Um, you know, obviously, if you keep playing well enough, if you keep putting yourself up there, you will eventually come out. That's how you make sure you come out on the right side of 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 enough of these to have a a, a world class career. But um, the margins are so so tiny, and winning is so so difficult. I want to come come back to that McElroy point you're making there, but just on Lowry, I think I I, I understand the argument that he he should. When he should have won an event between the British Open and now. Certainly, he has the talent to do that, and he's good enough to do that. And maybe we do need to raise our expectations. But I do love the tournaments that he picks off. He doesn't win that regularly, and yet almost all of his wins are these. Just as I say, majors. Obviously, only one major, but they're all really important events and really memorable. The Irish Open is an amateur, a World Golf Championship event, the British Open. Uh, the World Tour's flagship event yesterday. He certainly knows which ones to win, Mal. Big time, big time. And it's a fantastic, like, that is the thing about him. You you do look, like, if you watch enough golf, you sort of tend to understand players' personalities. You'd sort of, you kind of know who various people are. And, like, as with everything, you are who you are until you change who you are. Like Tony Finau had this real reputation for coming so close over years and years and years of golf without winning anything. And then in one sort of streak about two months ago, he picked off, I think it was two tournaments and and nearly won a third in a row. Like he was the best golfer in the world uh, for a three week period. And nobody now can ever talk about him having trouble winning or anything like that. That's just gone, gone, gone. Larry's the way you look at Larry is if um, if he's up there on a Sunday, well, he's he's not going to die wondering. You know, he's he's going to go absolutely go balls out for it. He's not going to be trying to cash a check. None of that matters to him. He has that mentality that right, come on, let's go, let's go and win this. And uh, 
he has a great, like he's great to watch in full flow. Like I love the golf he plays. Mm. You know, it is, it's like, it's so natural. You can see like he, he shapes shots to fit each, um, each shape of hole and all of this. And you can, they all do that, of course, to a certain extent, but some of them are more formulaic than others. Some of them just, you know, are, are huge drivers of the ball and then really, really delicate with their short irons. Whereas Larry just kind of moves the ball around the course and it's really, he, he, he's a shaper of the ball and it's, it's really gorgeous to watch. And he plays quick. He doesn't stand faffing about. He's not, you know, it's not a trial to sit and watch him play like it is with some players who are faffing over yardages and all that sort of crack. He just gets on with it and he's great. He, he's, he's brilliant to watch. And I love, um, like you want players like that to be the ones that rise to the top because they're, it's very watchable TV, you know, and you know he, he curses away and all that sort of stuff. Like he must, I'd say he's close to um, close to the player that at Sky Sports have offered most apologies for down the years. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see the guy who beat him on that score. <laughs> exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but like. But he's that that kind of cursing that your granny would love, you know, because he's just yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. nobody ah, holds shite. it against him. Ah, shite, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's fucking shite, Shane, you know, and he and he's always angry at himself and at the caddy or whatever. So it's it's good, like it's as I said, you know, it was time to win, and I'm delighted he did. And of course, his win was a victory for the good guys in his own <laughs> word. Mal, what did you make of that? Yeah, like it's funny. Um, it's such a wild time to be following golf. Um, and to be following, if, if, if you're even 2% interested in the politics of it all, it is a really interesting time to be watching it. Like, the best shot of the final round yesterday uh, was Taylor Gooch hit an amazing shot into the final green for a tap-in eagle. Like, I think there was about seven or eight eagles all day, but like his was literally up to a foot. And it was a monumental shot. And, but because he's, and it moved him into a tie for third. Uh, but because he's one of the live guys, like, there was no big, re- you know the way when it, when somebody hits an amazing golf shot, they show uh, repeats of it all the time. And there's, uh, <laughs> let's go back and watch that from the overhead angle and all that sort of stuff. Like this literally moved him to into a tie with with McElroy at the time. Now McElroy went on to birdie and, and move into second. But like he, he was he was tied with Rory McElroy after hitting this monumental shot. And there was, oh, that's a great shot. Let's move on. And because he's one of the live guys and like at the early part of yesterday, Patrick Reed had obviously jumped to the front of the leaderboard and like all you could see was everybody kind of going, Jesus, we can't have we can't have one of the live guys winning this bloody tournament. And so when mm. John when John Ram hold his eagle putt on the last year, everybody was delighted. Ah, that's it. Stick it to them. Go on. Go on, Rambo. Uh, hopefully he's one of the good guys, too. And it's so funny for anybody, like I've been watching golf my whole life or I've been playing golf my whole life. And golf is the bit, like it's the sport where nobody falls out with each other. Like it's so, it's so annoyingly genteel and, you know, kind of performatively gentlemanly. And now there's just kind of open warfare between the two uh, various uh, factions. 
And it is, it's on one level, it's, it's quite hilarious to watch because, like, there's nobody less threatening than a crowd of golfers. But at the same time, they're all, they all kind of bitch away at each other a wee bit. And, like, McElroy kind of, McElroy kind of sneering at the start of the week that, you know, it's going to be hard for these lads to play 72 holes because they're not used to it because over at Live, they only play 54. Now, in the end, they ended up playing 54 because of the Queen. Mm. So it's all, it, it, and like somebody like Billy Horschel, like really kind of going after them. Like there was a huge controversy, basically. But Sergio Pull, now Sergio Pull played shite in his first round, pulled out, um, and went back to Texas. I think his, his father's some owner of some, or is big into college football over in America and was back over there at an American football game on Saturday at a college game. Uh, but the very fact that he played in the first round kept uh, a Spanish golfer who's right on the bubble of keeping his card. It kept him, he was first reserve in the tournament. Um it kept him out of the tournament. If that guy had been in the tournament and made the cut, he'd have he'd have guaranteed his card for another year. And Sergio just came, played, had a seventy six in the first round, and then just pissed off. Like he wasn't sick, he wasn't he wasn't injured, he wasn't anything. He just said, "Ah, can't be bothered playing the rest of this." And so, like those war really now what passes for war in golf, but really bitchy uh, golf golfy commentary all over Twitter uh, on Saturday night about what a dick Sergio was for doing this. And it's 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 really fascinating to watch like golf golf people really go for each other. Um and it's and it's ongoing. That's the thing. Like it's gonna it's gonna be ongoing for you know, for the next three, four years oh, yeah, until I, they sort I, it all I, out. I gotta say though, Maliki, the this idea of the good guys and the bad guys yes. in Lowry's words. It's it sounds like something my three year old son would say when watching a cartoon. And and I would try to you know, I would try to make the point that, well, you know, it's not as simple as that as simple as that. Maybe just sometimes people make bad decisions and all this sort of stuff. I just you know, in one way I admire that Larry is able to keep that childlike clarity on how the world works and it's just good people and bad people. Um, particularly in the context of the, the tour that he's just won the flagship event of which is run by DP World or sponsored by DP World owned by the Dubai Royal Family you wrote about this a few months ago uh, this DP World owned P&O and we all know yeah. what happened there with the yeah. staff being sacked and kicked off the ferry sacked over Microsoft Teams just last month in fact they announced DP World announced first half profits had risen more than 50% to a record $721 million. Again, DP World owned by the Dubai Royal Family. So there are grey areas here, Shane. I don't think it's as simple as good guys and bad guys. Oh, and there's even even greyer areas on. Like, you know, like Shane went and played in the Dubai, or the Dubai, the Saudi International. Yeah. Uh, the first three years it was on, uh, you know, and absolutely didn't have to, you know... It didn't make any real difference to his to his life, you know. Fair enough. There was he. I'm not sure whether he got an appearance fee or not, but I know that McElroy turned down two and a half million of an appearance fee to play in it, and said he just didn't want. You know, there was a moral side of playing uh, in the Saudi International. Shane was happy enough to play in it for three years, and you know that side of it. I I do think I do think it's interesting though. Golf has kind of moved on from the Saudi stuff. Um, the all the talk really about good guys and bad guys. I don't think he was really talking about you know we're 
we're the good guys because we don't we're not funded by the Saudis. Golf has sort of moved on to we're the good guys because we're the PGA Tour. Yes, the, the, the have, parameters have narrowed massively here. Yeah, I think I think his definition hear. of good se- seems to basically mean people who stay loyal to this golf tour as opposed yeah. to the golf tour. And I think uh, I think actually what uh, golfers are now talking about, as you as you're saying, like the human rights thing is now is now gone. What they're talking about is competitive fairness. Which is that, like you, if uh, like Ram's buddy, who was the first alternate, uh, uh, whose place was taken by Sergio, let's say, um, if Sergio hadn't played, then that guy, on the basis purely of his golfing ability, would win his tour card next year, and that's and live exists outside of that hierarchy of the world ranking points, the DP World Tour ranking points, PGA Tour ranking points. It exists outside of that, and that that's basically what golfers like Shane Lowry are now rebelling against this idea that yeah, you can just rock up and get paid millions of dollars regardless of whether you win or lose. Yeah, and, and that's it. Like it has the 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 star, like like if you can imagine it, like it, it it sort of feels like about three years ago that Graham McDowell was sitting on at a press conference trying, you know, manfully batting away for, you know, the the Saudis and how how golf was a force for good in the world and all of that sort of stuff. Whereas nobody Nobody asks about that anymore. Nobody really cares about that anymore. It, the conversation now, like live golf is still a huge, huge issue, probably the number one issue in golf. Uh, but it's all about golf politics now. It's not about geopolitics anymore, if it ever was. But like it's it has totally moved away from all of that stuff. Meanwhile, look, we all know that the Saudi human rights Abuses are are happening at a pace. You know, I wrote a couple of weeks ago about the the lady that got jailed for thirty four years for her tweets, um, and while she was a student in Leeds University, and as soon as she arrived back in Saudi, she she was put in jail for tweeting support for dissidents in uh, in Saudi, and that that has just totally disappeared from the landscape in golf over the last couple of months. And as I say, you would think that the Graham McDowell thing was three years ago. It's it's 12 weeks ago. Literally, that's it's three months ago that that, that first tournament uh, outside London was there. And while Lee Westwood and Dustin Johnson were were very happily just play, kind of playing dumb and going, yeah, I don't know, I'm just a golfer. Poor Graham was sort of trying to <laughs> trying to talk his way out of a hole and just kept talking himself into a there, deeper, there was a good deeper, line deeper now. Yeah, Paul Kimmage was yeah. at the golf this weekend. He, he he cornered McDowell, and McDowell said, "It feels like I'm I'm being chased. I'm Lance Armstrong in this scenario here." But Kimmage says, "I wanted to send you a text when you were doing all those all those. Uh, you know, we were talking. I wanted to send you a text to say shut the fuck up." And <laughs> McDowell says, "You should have." So, you know, McDowell is there, but McDowell is very much live golf, and it's you know yeah. it's. We've, he's been talked about quite a lot. I do just find that, that this whole dynamic really interesting that it's not about, the, the human rights don't matter in this argument anymore. It's just about which tour is better essentially and which is a more pure form of the game of golf. It makes me a bit less, you know, ecstatic about jumping on board the the, the DP World Tour bandwagon and say, you know, this is the only way for the future of golf. 100%. And, you know, the, when it all washes out and when they start playing on the PGA Tour, like it goes into sort of hiatus now uh, for a bit when they come out next year and people sort of retune into golf, which is sort of when the tournament's, the tournament's in Hawaii, sort of late January or whatever. Um, 
Like the PGA Tour has instituted huge changes to its schedule for next year and to its its payment structure and to the amount of money that the big players will get and to the amount of times that the big players all play in the same tournament and all of that sort of stuff as a reaction to to live golf. But I wonder, I I do wonder if. If we're sitting there sort of in six months' time or whatever, like let's say mid-February, sort of just before, about two months before the Masters going, really, this is it? This is, this is, what, this is what winning looks like for, for the PGA Tour, if, if indeed it is winning? Like this, this is all that happened with that Live Golf changed. It just made, you know, the best players in the world a lot richer and got them playing together uh, in tournaments more often. Like, that's what all this fuss was about, really. And it, it just seems that the the original sort of, you know, exactly as you say, Owen, that the original controversy or the original sort of row about where this money was coming from, how how moral or otherwise it is to be stooges for this autocratic regime, that's just not a factor in any conversation that you hear around golf anymore. It just isn't spoken about. It doesn't come up. And it's all about the really dull, boring stuff of, you know, multimillionaire golfers uh, arguing with each other over who gets to play for more money. McElroy's status in all this is interesting, isn't it? As this savior of golf, basically. For, for someone who says he'd do anything in his power to avoid confrontation, he seems to be reveling in this. He's playing some. He's playing some pretty good stuff. He has been, you know, like Scotty Scheffler uh, was voted PGA Player of the Year there uh, the other, last weekend, and rightly so. You know, he won the Masters, and I think he won four tournaments or maybe five tournaments. But since, um, since, since I'd say almost since the Masters, McIlroy has been the best golfer in the world. I think that's re- fairly reasonable to say. Like that was his eleventh top ten. Uh, finish this year like 11 top 10s in a, in a season um is ludicrous i think patrick cantley had 12 and that's the, he's the only one ahead of him so his golf has been you know kind of beyond reproach and it is really fascinating that he sort of took it upon himself um to be the sort of front and center guy all the way through like when you look around, like Justin Thomas could have done it or Spieth could have done it or a few others and uh, or John Ram, any of these guys could have. But he sort of kind of puffed his chest out and, and did it. And yeah, it is really interesting that not only did his golf not suffer through it, it, it thrived. Um, and that's he's after having one of his best seasons in, in, in quite a while. Um and I'm not sure I ever really bought the thing about uh, would he do anything to avoid confrontation. Like, like <laughs> he has never shied from things in his whole life. Like he he is prevaricated with stuff. Like the the Olympic stuff way back in the day. He kind of talked around the houses on it and tried to find the right formulation of words and tried to find the right thing to feel about it or the right thing to say about it. But he never shied from it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he and that's the thing with McElroy is he he'll always sort of he'll always give an opinion. He he prepared to 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 be wrong, you know. Uh sorry, 
I don't know that he's prepared to be wrong. He's prepared to go back afterwards and say he was wrong, <laughs> even though he would always sort of feel he was right at the time. Um, and it is really interesting to see how he was the the sort of the figurehead uh, right the way through. And like, I guess to a certain extent, he he should be. You know, he he's one of the best golfers in the world. He's one of the most experienced players on tour, which is hilarious to think of him at this stage now. When he's whatever he is, he's thirty two, thirty three. He's been. Uh, he won his what well, he won his first tournament in twenty ten. So like he's been winning golf tournaments worldwide for twelve years, thirteen years. Um, but it is it's he he I I find him such a fascinating chap, you know, because he's so he's so very obviously intelligent. He's a serious emotional intelligence to him. Um, but he's like he's a fairly ruthless businessman too, you know. Like uh, on some level, it's all. You kind of look at him and go, well, it's grand for you, Rory, to be saying I wouldn't go and play for the Saudi millions. You know, you're going to be fine one way or the other. Um, but then the flip side of that is that he is going to be fine one way or the other. So he has no compunction to go and try and make the PGA Tour better uh, or more lucrative for all the players who aren't going to be fine or wouldn't be fine. You know, so you have I, I think it's very, very admirable the way he's conducted himself. Uh, over the last three, four months uh, on the course and and off it. So why do you think he doesn't get his due then? That piece you referenced that you wrote recently, you described him as probably the most underrated figure in Irish sport. Why is that? I've I've wondered this for years. I think definitely, look, definitely a part of it is that he's Northern Irish yeah. and there's no getting away from that. Nor- Northern Irish sports people just aren't as beloved across the country um, for whatever reason. Um, People might throw George Best at you. Yeah, but like at the same time, like we're, we're too young. But was was George Best as like was he loved because he was Northern Irish or was he loved because he played for Man United? Like you know, there was the the, the Northern Irish thing. There is look. All I don't think many people think George Best is Irish. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't yeah. think there's a massive amount of people who, you know, the, what's well, the no, they do though, because uh, uh, I, I don't know how many people do, it, but you know, they said this is what I'm trying to get at. It's, it's, uh, say we're doing our good wall. George Best would be the one Northern Ireland. Well, Dennis Taylor has has actually gotten up there <laughs> sure, occasionally, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I think George Best is the one that sort of tends to uh, go, yeah, have gone up a I, good I would few say, times over the years. Yeah, I would say though, on in a situation like that, it's like, well, I suppose George Best comes into the argument if you're if you're forced to think about it in that way. Mm-hmm. But if you mention George Best to people, no one immediately... Like, we don't clasp George Best to our bosom in the normal run of events at all, unless you're a Man United fan, you know? Like, like it's just... When when you're forced into thinking about who is the greatest Irish sports person of all time, then George Best comes into it. Because, well, I suppose George Best is Irish, isn't he? Um, but I, I, like, I, I, I do think that's, like, that is the default reaction of most people for, and whether that's right or wrong. So, so do you think that's the thing with McElroy then? Because there's a, the, the, this other idea over the years it's gained traction that his personality is a bit a bit drier. These, as Mal yeah. says in his piece, I just can't warm to him. I've never f- fully got that because I do think he's quite uh, quite an interesting sports person. Do you think it's mostly the Northern Irish thing maybe compounded by his, his difficulty in deciding whether or not he wanted to represent Ireland in the Olympics? I think there's a bit there, that all goes into it. I, I think people find him... You know, that personality that he has, you know, that, you know, he's never he's never ticked the don't know box on a survey. 
you know, he has an opinion. He, one way or for right or for wrong, he will take, you'll ask him a question and he will have an opinion on it. And he, because of that, he does go back on his opinions. Like, I can't, you'd lose count of the times over the years where he was on one side of the fence on some issue and then six months later he kind of resigns from it. Like, playing golf with Trump was was the sort of the classic version of that, that he kind of went and played golf with Trump uh, got shit for it and then like on a podcast sort of 18 months later with actually with Lawrence Donegan uh, basically said yeah I would never do that again uh, you know, and, and like had the self-awareness to go well now that I'm given out about him I presume that I'll never be asked to do it again so it's easy for me to say that I would never do it again but I would never do it again uh, and this was right in the depths of COVID and all of that sort of stuff and how Trump was leading America through COVID and there are all of those times that you can kind of go yeah but Rory you did go and you did sort of legitimise the man by playing golf with him and part of him would be kind of going yeah I just thought it'd be interesting, uh, you know, like to go and play with the American president. But, you know, at the same time, yeah, it was probably the wrong thing to do. Um, and I think, like, I think on some level, aren't we all like that to a certain extent? Not that we'd all go and play golf with Trump, but we all kind of make mistakes. We all kind of do stupid things from time to time. And we don't all admit to it <laughs> as readily and as easily as he does. And we don't all kind of, like even going back to when he was a kid, like he sneered at the Ryder Cup before he ever played. And he says, you know, the Ryder Cup's just an exhibition. Like, I'm not going to get too het up over it. And it was the total arrogance of a 19 year old who was kind of going, yeah, you know, the Ryder Cup, whatever. And then he played in it. And like, sure, Jesus, last year he was crying tears at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, having um, played terribly for a couple of days and then played brilliantly on the on the Sunday. Um, and it, it, the Ryder Cup means an awful amount to him now. And it, it, over the next year, when we see what shape the Ryder Cup takes with, you know, defectors to live all over the place, like you can see that he it'll be a, a, something that he'll fight for as if it's as if it's the most important thing in the world. And I find that really interesting about him because I don't think and God knows we interact with, read about, watch an amount of sports personalities across loads of different sports all day, every day. That's what we do for a living. And so many of them are just so coy and so afraid to say anything or to show any side of their personality um, for fear that it will impinge on their sport or for fear that it will become a distraction or whatever. And McElroy doesn't do that. Like McElroy has played some of the best, best golf of his career over the last sort of 12 months. Um, he was the best player in the majors who didn't win a major this year, all of that sort of stuff. Um, meanwhile, being front and centre in the biggest political upheaval that the sport has seen in like 50 years. Um, and I, I don't understand people who are into sport who don't warm to that. You know, I'm not saying that you have to like them, anybody. Of course, everybody's free to like or dislike whoever they want. But 
I don't really get that. I don't really get how you couldn't be compelled by the guy. And hopefully he'll win another couple of majors next year and that'll that'll get us thinking about him in a new light potentially. Just a, a mention Lawrence mentioned Lawrence Donegan there. His son Niall is playing a tournament today, a qualifying event for the opening event of the new PGA Tour season <laughs> and uh, has a has a day off school because of that, which I think is a legitimate <laughs> enough. He's, he's absolutely shit hot, this guy. US Murph keeps telling us about him. Uh, so yeah. good luck to Niall Donegan there today. Niall Shields Donegan there today. Uh, you guys, Murph and Mal, will be back next week. There's a movie club penciled in, so I'm looking forward to that one. Mm. A very special event, a very special edition, I should say, of the Murph and Mal movie club. In the meantime, Maliki, brilliant as always. Thanks a mil. Cheers, guys. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's a beautiful summer's day. The breeze is stupendous. 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 Would this podcast be even more stupendous without ads? Without ads? Ads. If so, then join us for daily commercial-free shows at secondcaptains.com for just five euro a month. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not bumping them up. I'm not Irish. I'm just saying my observations, they are amazing. Stupendous. With the Premier League cancelled yesterday, the day was cleared for a few other sporting events to grab the attention. Normally, at 25 past six on a Sunday, I'd be getting stuck into the Super Sunday post-match but in football's absence, upstepped a fine footballer in his own right, Terry Kennedy, for the Ireland Sevens team, who won bronze at the World Cup in Cape Town. So their big result was beating South Africa in the quarterfinals. They then lost narrowly to New Zealand in the semis, but were up against Australia in the bronze. See, this is where third place playoffs are important when there's a bronze medal. <laughs> uh, for and we're in here. Them. Yeah. yeah, and we're in them. That's the other point, yeah. So the bronze medal match was yesterday just before half six. Exciting game, nip and tuck all the way. Ireland trailed by a score late on. But that's when my man Terry Kennedy... I'm, I'm talking about Terry Kennedy, though. So he's just emerged out of nowhere. Like, he's been there the entire way along this yep. sevens journey for the Irish. He's actually taken a year out next year, but signed off in style. He opened his box of tricks with a couple of minutes to go. Firstly, a beautiful little grubber kick that he collected himself for the equalising try. Then he sets up the winning score by, I'm not joking, volleying the ball to a teammate. There's a, have you seen this? And it was it was a, a serious piece of work, I have to say. Oh, uh, there's a loose pass that the ball's in the air, and rather than grabbing it in his hands and getting hit with a tackle, he sort of twists his body to the left, nudges it deftly to a teammate who puts Harry McNulty away for the winning try. No, I'm telling Top you, Luka Modric would have been would have been proud of this. On <laughs> it was a piece of absolute wizardry, and what an unbelievable result that is, by the way. A bronze yeah. medal in the Rugby Sevens World Cup is that is unbelievable going. Kennedy finished his top try scorer in the World Series with 50 in 52 matches. He got onto the Dream Team, a selection that acknowledges the best seven players from all countries 
on the circuit. Uh, the bad news is he's taken a year out from sevens. The even worse news is he better hope he's never coached by Joe Schmidt, who never forgave Simon Zebo <laughs> for that backheeled. <laughs> that, that back I just ball. feel like was it was yeah. it the percentage play at that moment, Don? You know, yeah, does yeah, Terry yeah. Kennedy weigh up the percentages? That would be the big uh, question mark I have over the man. I know. Before anyone comes at me, I know that. Joe Schmidt was not actually coaching Simon Zebo when he did that back heel to himself in Cardiff in 2013. But he did start a couple of months later in the Ireland job. And let's just say that Zebo back heel to himself was a move we saw a little bit less of when Schmidt became the Ireland coach. That's pretty much it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Owen. Thank, thank you, you, Owen. And thank you, Ken. Thanks so much for listening. I want to take 30 seconds to wander over to secondcaptains.com and have a look at what's on offer on the World Service. If you become a member, no more ads on any of the podcast episodes. Second Captains Podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. What's the second time it's gone off? They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.